This film is lit. The podcast where we finally settle the score on one simple question. Is the book really better than the movie? I'm Brian, and I have a film degree, so I watch the movie, but don't read the book. And I'm Katie. I have an English degree, so I do things the right way and read the book before we watch the movie. So prepare to be wowed by our expertise and charm as we dissect all of your favorite film adaptations and decide if the silver screen or the written word did it better. So turn it up, settle in, and get ready for spoilers, because this film is lit. It's a true story about an undercover cop that infiltrates the KKK. The hook? He's black. It's Black Klansman, and this film is lit. Hello and welcome back to the 42nd yes. episode of This Film is Lit, the podcast where we talk about movies that are based on books. It is our Oscar special, to some extent, in the sense yeah, yeah. that it's an Oscar-nominated film. Uh, it was the best one we saw out there it's nominated for best adapted screenplay which perfect for us yeah. so we watched black Klansman. you read the book that it is based upon but if you haven't done those things we're going to hit you with our first segment let me sum up let me explain no there is too much let me sum up katie all right that <laughs> That sweet book summary. Well, I'm a failure, and I forgot to write my own, so I'm just going to read the back of the book for you guys. When Ron Stallworth, the first black detective in the history of the Colorado Springs Police Department, came across a classified ad in the local paper asking all those interested in joining the Ku Klux Klan to contact a P.O. box, he did his job and responded with interest, using his real name while posing as a white man. His decision launched what is surely one of the most audacious and incredible undercover investigations in history. During the months-long investigation, Stallworth sabotaged cross-burnings, exposed white supremacists in the military, and even fooled David Duke himself. Black Klansman is an amazing true story that reads like a crime thriller and a searing portrait of a divided America and the extraordinary heroes who dare to fight back. All right, so that's a brief little bit about the book. Now I'm going to sum up the movie. There will be spoilers. If you haven't seen Black Klansman 2018, first off, I recommend it. Great film, uh, or very good film, I'll say. Maybe not great. It's not my favorite Spike Lee film I've mm. seen. It was good, though. It was very good. It's about Ron Stallworth, who becomes the first black cop for the Colorado Springs Police Department. Uh, when he joins the squad, they basically initially put him on desk duty he's like works in the records department he decides he nah it's not what, what he's about he wants to be an undercover goes to talk to them they give him a job as this first undercover uh he goes and he sits in on a uh, a black power movement speaker mm -hmm. uh kwame ture um to kind of get information the cops are worried he's gonna spark up dissent amongst the black community in colorado springs uh so he goes and does that uh eventually decides I want to do something different and uh, kind of on a whim calls the KKK and pretends to be a white man who wants to join the local chapter of the Ku Klux Klan uh, and does. He then gets his uh, partner, quote unquote, I only use his partner at the time, Adam Driver's character Flip to be the white guy to go to the Klan meetings. Um, 
even though Flip himself is Jewish, uh, which is it becomes a subplot later. They go, they do this ruse for a while, they gather a bunch of information, they kind of somewhat uncover a plot. They don't really get as much of a wind of it as maybe they should have of a potential mm-hmm. bombing that mm-hmm. they're planning. Um, uh, the KKK eventually do end up going through with that bombing amidst the uh, David Duke's visit to Colorado. He actually comes to induct uh, Ron Stallworth, a.k.a. Flip, into the order. Um, when that happens, they, they uh, Ron Stallworth's on uh, protective duty from him for David Duke, which is a whole thing we'll talk about. <laughs> um, the KKK end up putting a bomb that's supposed to be in the mailbox of the the black power movement's uh, girlfriend of Ron Stallworth, but they end up not being able to fit it in the mailbox. It goes in a car, uh, which our KKK group parks next to unknowingly, blows it up, kills themselves, and uh, that wraps everything up with a nice, neat bow. Um, They also find out some KKK members work for NORAD, so that's not good. Um... And then uh, some other stuff happens. But that's the gist of it, and we'll get into the specifics throughout the rest of the segments. Again, uh, I recommend checking it out. The, the plot is less important, I would argue. Like, the twists mm-hmm. and turns are interesting and very engrossing, but less important than the sort of overall message and what the movie's going for, which we'll, we'll discuss a little bit. So, let's get to the game show segment and play, I think, because it looks like you have... I do have okay, some guess who's. let's do guess who. Who are you? No one of consequence. I must know. Get used to disappointment. Okay. Okay. For those of you who don't know what Guess Who is, just want a little brief reminder. I have not read the book. Katie's going to read character descriptions, or in this case, real person descriptions, (laughs) from the book. And I'm going to see if I can guess the correct movie character that she is describing. A short, about five foot nine, stocky approximately 220 pounds, man about 28 years of age with brown hair cut military length and a slight mustache. Boy, that could be any of the clan members (laughs) and other people. That could be all most of the people in this movie other than Ron Stallworth. Um, Initially, the short stocky, the the character that most comes to mind is Ivanhoe in the film, who is one of the Klansmen, like the dumb Klansmen. Mm-hmm. Uh, none of them are portrayed particularly intelligent, but he, amongst them, is even stands out as the most idiotic. Uh, that So that's my friend, and he does have a mustache, I think. But so, so does uh, Walter, who's sort of the main guy. Uh, f- uh, Fili- f- what is the... I can't remember the, the crazy Klan guy. <laughs> I like how I'm <laughs> characterizing some of the clan members as crazy and some of them as stupid. But uh, the guy who's like the off the wall guy, I can't remember his name. Are you talking about Felix? Yes, Felix. I kept wanting to say Philippe because of Flip. Um, so Felix is the other clan guy. They all have mustaches. Well, it is the 70s. <laughs> it is the 70s. Um, but the only one that's stocky is Ivanhoe. But then again, it could also be any of his partners. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go with Ivanhoe just because it's the most closely descripted matches the most closely mm-hmm. it's actually walter okay that's the, the I could, main yeah, the main clan like, the guy who wants to restart the clan yeah. chapter in colorado springs um and his name is ken in the book okay uh, but he's walter in the movie 
and this is his description that, yeah. that Ron Stallworth gives of him. Yeah. Can you tell he's a cop? It's very much, <laughs> uh, as you were reading that, I was like, that is absolutely a cop's uh, description of a character. Uh, this character is male, five foot nine, two hundred approximately 270 pounds. <laughs> it's like, okay, yeah. That's how a cop would describe a character. Or, again, a real person, but... <laughs> okay. Oh, for one. All right. There'll be a tall, skinny... Hippie-looking white guy with a Fu Manchu mustache smoking a cigar outside. Oh, boy. Um, okay, well, the, the I'm going to try to context clue it because you said there'll be a, which just sounds like somebody, somebody was telling Ron Stallworth this, is at least what it sounded mm-hmm. like, which means it's he's going somewhere to meet somebody or see someone, and this is, person is going to be standing out there. So that could be... Felix for sure Um, because he's tall and skinny and he has a kind of distinct facial hair Uh, I'm going to say Felix it is Felix or his uh, whatever his His, character yeah his stand in his name is Butch Butch in the book okay Butch. I wonder if that's the real names in the book or if those are also just student like I think I'm not sure as some of them are for sure, like he he says, David Duke well right in the book yeah yeah that's obviously but you know I wonder like those like lesser Um, people are if that's their actual names or like but I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure some of them he switched yeah. out names so then in the movie they could just, just switch them again yeah, yeah. switch them again we got one more okay about five foot nine 180 pounds dark hair and a beard five foot nine 180 pounds that's thinner dark hair and a beard I'm assuming these are all just Klansmen now at this point. Uh, so that would, it's not David Duke. I know what he looks like. Um, he looks like Topher Grace, <laughs> uh, which he actually does. He little, actually yeah. does, yeah. Yeah, no, they cast that pretty spot on. At the time, now David Duke looks like a lizard person, but <laughs> which his, his outer size, this outside appearance has some, somewhat come to, uh, yeah, represent his inner appearance. Uh I, I mean, I'm just gonna take a stab at a random clansman and say uh, that that is. I mean, the only other one. Who's the other? I mean, Ivanhoe. I guessed that one already. Uh, I'm trying to think the other even clansmen are. I'm just gonna say Ivanhoe. Okay, um, it's not Ivanhoe. Ivanhoe okay. is actually not a character in the book. Okay, at least not. There wasn't any like direct, direct analog, analog to him. Um, that's actually Flip's character. I thought about Flip yeah. for a second, um, but. Adam Driver's not five foot nine. I'm no. pretty sure Adam Driver's like six three or six <laughs> yeah. four. He's a, he's a tall guy. Yeah, and he doesn't have a beard in the movie. No, he has not, like not a mustache one. and yeah. a goatee or something. I think. Um, but his they call him Chuck in mm. the book. His name is Chuck. Chuck, not Flip. Yeah. All right. Well, one for three. Not too bad. Yeah. But see, they I had a feeling that this one's tough because they just completely changed. I mean, they you know they yeah. weren't going for the which when you do to be fair when you do a a historical a non-fiction piece it's not quite as important that mm-hmm. depending on certain characters obviously david duke right if i think if it's like somebody like kind of well known yeah. that people are going to be able to look up a picture right. of you would want them to look like the similar guy, yeah and like the guy that plays kwame ture kind of looks like mm-hmm. i looked him up and he looks i mean not i mean again not exactly but right. close in the ballpark of um and uh, same for David Duke, but for these other people, right. you know, it's... they're not beloved characters that people like <laughs> want to see jump from the page to the screen. So it's not, you know, 
it's not that big a difference if they're taller or shorter or right. have a beard or don't or whatever. Okay. All right. One for three. Not not the best, but that's okay. So let's move in to the first main segment and find out. Was that in the book? Nicholas Flamel is the only known maker of the Philosopher's Stone. The what? Honestly, don't you two read? All right. So I have a fair amount of questions all about sort of what was, because this is one of the first ones we've done where it's a, maybe the first one where it's a historical, it's mm-hmm. a nonfiction book. Yes. To some extent, uh, you know, who knows. It, it, to be fair to the book, it's a guy recollecting from a case from 20 right. years, 30 years ago based on case notes and things. So even some of the nonfiction in the book was probably, you know, maybe he misremembered slightly. Who knows? Right. But... but and it's still, it is based on, you know, a case and, and uh, as much of his memory as he could recollect. So what I'm going to kind of look for is things that feel like less like real life mm-hmm. and potentially more like things they added for the sake of drama for the for the film. Um, among just other things that I thought were interesting and kind of wanted to see if those were rooted in um, in the facts. So first question, uh, when he after he becomes a cop. The first under, well, after the desk duty thing, the first thing they assign him to in undercover is they have him go to this Kwame Ture uh, speaking event mm-hmm. um, at the local college uh, that mm-hmm. the the Black Student Union or something along those lines is hosting. Um, and uh, he goes in undercover, and the cops send him because he's the only black cop, so right. he f- fit in with the crowd. Um does that happen in the book? Do they send him to go watch and be undercover at a, a quote-unquote subversive black speaker event? Um, yes. Really? And it is, is, it, Kwame it is Kwame Ture. And it plays out pretty similarly with one pretty big exception. Okay. Do I ask about that or you have that in a later segment? Um, we talk about that later. Okay. I'll be interested to see that change there because... It was an interesting. One thing that was interesting about that segment is we sit and we watch like that whole speech. Yeah. In the movie, which is kind of an interesting idea, and it's what, to be fair, it's one of the things that Spike Lee kind of does well is capturing those types of scenes. If you've seen Malcolm X, mm-hmm. uh, it's right in his wheelhouse in terms of uh, film language. And I, I thought some of the visual choices he made in that particular moment. One, that actor was really good. Mm-hmm. Guy was in um, Straight Out of Compton. He played Dr. Dre in Straight Out of okay. Compton. He was also in Walking Dead, like right before I stopped watching. <laughs> I remembered his character, but like for a couple episodes. And then he plays, I can't remember his name, Heath maybe in Walking Dead. Uh-huh. Um, I thought he was really, really good. Um, but I, the visual choice in that particular scene that I thought was really interesting is the uh, they do the... Um, Shots, and this is my only frame of reference, and I'm sure there's probably a better frame of reference for it. Uh, the cover of or from Bohemian Rhapsody, oh, it's with just the, faces, the faces where it's just the faces yeah. amongst the black <laughs> backdrop, and they're lit. Uh, they have like one key light on them. I saw it was really striking uh, as they're like kind of staring and all listening to this man speak. I thought it was really interesting um, and kind of different. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. This is kind of a broad question, um, but it's a, one of the avenues that the movies the movie explores a lot, and I thought it was really interesting. Oh, sorry, the movie doesn't quite explore. It does, but it doesn't. It goes. It kind of goes. Uh, it plays the line. Um, do we get much of a feeling of what Ron Stallworth's feelings are about sort of the state of race and racism in America are in the book, or were at that time right. in the book? 
Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, to me, and it, this is my reading of it, um, to me, he came off as like a middle of the road type of guy. Yeah. Um, like he's obviously experienced racism yeah. living as a black man in America, but he's also like more than willing to work with white people. Yeah. Um, and I have that here later for more discussion about that. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I, okay. Yeah. He, he seemed to give pretty equal space to talking about the ways in which our society is racist and the ways in which individuals within it aren't always yeah. racist. Yeah. Um, and it does feel purposeful to some extent, but I, yeah, you know, it, it's hard to gauge from one piece of material yeah. that is crafted. Right, right, yeah, because that, and we'll talk. Like I said, we'll get into that a little bit more here in just a few questions down um, that I had because I thought it was an interesting. The movie explores that dynamic um, in an interesting way, mm -hmm. I think, uh, and in a very relevant, still relevant way that I don't have a good. I don't, it's not easy. It's, well, it's not my place to come down on what side of that equation, right. but we'll, we'll talk about it here in a second. I don't want to just allude to it when we're just <laughs> going to talk about it in two questions. Um, so in the movie, uh, it's sort of, he just sees an advertisement in the newspaper uh, randomly, like one day uh -huh. after his first uh, undercover gig. And he just kind of on a whim calls up the KKK and does this. Is that how it is presented in the book that it just, he just, um, or is is it presented to him? Like, does somebody come to him to do it? Or well, I, it I is, would imagine they wouldn't. It <laughs> is I mean? part of his job in the book to like go through the local publications oh, okay. and like look for anything that seems shady. Yeah. Um, which he talks about. It's mostly like, like bad business deals and right. like prostitution, prostitution and that kind yeah. of thing. You're, you're skimming, you're skimming, yeah, you're uh, skimming like the classifieds. Craigslist yeah. for the, yeah, the, <laughs> I, I spend time with me for a hundred kisses. Yes. Yeah. Type of stuff. Um, but then he one day sees a little ad, um, about starting a KKK chapter in Colorado Springs. So he, um, it's actually like a PO box oh. in the book. So he writes for information and they then contact him. And he eventually does talk to him on the phone though. Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, so it's, it, cause in the movie it's sort of presented, we don't get that set up of him. He gets transferred to a quote unquote intelligence. We don't really get yes. explained what that is in the movie. And then it just kind of seems like he's just sitting at his desk reading the newspaper or something and sees this and just kind of on a whim just calls him up, which is a more dramatic and interesting take on it in the yeah. film than sort of the reality of like part of his boring yeah, this desk is what job I do is like I go through every and look day for stuff I, yeah. and then he sees that. Uh, but it does, you know, kind of make a little more sense. Okay. Uh, so this is a really interesting question. So in the film, I really like sort of the the direction the film takes these characters and sort of their interplay. In the film, uh, Adam Driver's character Flip and Michael Buscemi's character, I don't remember his name, are like uh, the two partners that are working with uh, Ron Stallworth mm -hmm. on this sting, this undercover job. Um, and they're both pretty game for... They both, I mean, there were discussions later in the movie where Adam Driver's like, this is a crusade for you. I don't mm -hmm. feel the same way. And there's kind of a back and forth about that. But uh, because uh, his character in the movie is Jewish and he's like, well, why don't you feel like you have a stake in this game? And we'll talk about that a little bit, maybe. But um, that that being said, I feels like Adam Driver's character Flip is like really down for uh, and really kind of relatively speaking supportive of 
Ron in this situation. Mm-hmm. I mean, they give him some grief about a rookie leading an investigation because he hasn't been working mm-hmm. in the department that long, but they don't. They still seem to be pretty on board. Is that the feeling you got in the um, book that the, that the other people he was working with were pretty on board yeah, with this yeah. mission or whatever? Um, and actually, the the book makes it seem more like the entire department is more yeah. on board than maybe the movie implied. Well, and I think there's reasons for that. Yeah. Well, the movie does imply that at the end. Yes. Um, which we'll talk about the ending. I thought I found the ending in this movie kind of strange. But not the end end, but like the, the wrap up of right, the story. Yes. Um Kind of strange, and I, I thought something else was going on there. I thought the end of the movie was going to be like a dream. I'm not even joking. Like <laughs> it was playing out so strange that I was a little confused uh, with how like gung- like happy everybody is when he gets back. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about it. Um, but uh, they all seem on board. Like his his immediate superior in the undercover slash intelligence department is very much on his side. Yeah. yeah. Um. The the chief of the whole department a little less so. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of the other like uniform beat cops aren't like the one guy, uh, I can't remember his name, like the super mustache racist cop. mustache yeah. cop in the movie, um, is absolutely not and he's super racist or whatever, but everybody else in the, I did get that feeling that at least yeah. everybody kind of in his general, the, the, the intelligence area was on board mm-hmm. with it, which is, uh, yeah, I, I was just wondering if that was kind of the same thing or if he got much pushback within his own department. Um, no, okay. there's um, like his his partners within the intelligence um, department are on board with it. His immediate like sergeant, yeah, is on guy, board yeah. with it. That guy, yeah. um, and the the chief of police is is down for it. Yeah, and he um, was in the movie. Yes. He's just a little more. The only the only character he kind of butts heads with in the book is his captain. Oh, um, so like the person right above. The yeah, I don't know if that character's in the movie or if that is the guy who's. I'm I not that really was sure. Because okay, so there's the guy who at the who who's like the main guy who they who hires him. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the chief and not the, but it could be a captain. And I can't remember what his rank or role was. Anyways, okay, sorry. But he talks about in the book that. The reason they're butting heads is because they'd had a disagreement over a previous case, oh. like some time ago. Yeah, um, and the captain had never really like. Was it the was it the first one we saw in the movie, or is that not implied? The one where he goes because well, there's a there's a discussion after he goes to the Kwame Turi rally, and they don't really have a disagreement in the movie, but um, the the chief slash captain or whatever the kind of the the guy at the very top. Who yeah. he reports to, um, they report back to him about this Kwame Turi rally, and they're like, uh, you know, they said a lot of things, and and he's like, well, I see this quote here about them, you know, we have to go to war or something like that. And he goes, I think it's rhetoric; it's not yeah. uh, literally meant that way. Um, and Adam Driver agrees with him. He goes, that that was my feeling on it too. And he kind of seems to disagree with their assessment of the situation mm-hmm. in the film. Um, so that I, I was just wondering if maybe that was the case that they were, but it, I, maybe it's not that specific in the book. In no, it's. No. I mean, he doesn't ever say other, specifically what it yeah, was. It okay. was just some other thing that they disagreed right. on. Gotcha. And okay. then their relationship kind of soured. Gotcha. Uh, in the movie, uh, Adam Driver's character Flip, as I mentioned, is Jewish. Uh, he's the undercover who stands in for Ron Stallworth when he physically goes to clan mm-hmm. meetups and stuff because obviously Ron can't go as a black man. Um, so is that that person in the actual case, was he Jewish? 
Um, no, no. Um, or at least we don't know. Or we don't know. It's um, not a point. It's a whole yeah, subplot not, in the film. It's not a point that's ever made in the book. And Stallworth doesn't give a lot of information right. about Flip's equivalent right. in the book. Um, I would imagine there's an identity protection. Oh kind yeah, of a potentially. Thing there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could see that. Yeah, I just because it's an interesting. There's an, and we can talk about it a little bit here. There's an interesting interplay there where, like I said earlier, that. Um, at one point, Flip gets a gun pulled on him by the crazy mm-hmm. uh, Felix guy uh, who thinks he's a Jew and, like, won't drop the idea that he's, like, an undercover or something. Like, he mm-hmm. doesn't trust him, and he pulls a gun on him, and Ron ends up saving the day kind of in the film by, like, causing a distraction because um, he wants him to take a lie detector test. But uh, and at that point, um, Adam Driver's like, well, f- f- I don't – fuck this. I'm not going to die for this. <laughs> like, this yeah. isn't worth, you know. And – he go because he and he says to to Ron Stallworth, uh, he goes, well, like, look, this is a crusade for you, you know, you're a black man taking mm-hmm. on the Klan. Like, I get it, but like, this this isn't my thing. Like, there, are, this isn't, it's not the same for me. And he kind, they kind of have this back and forth about um, how Flip is Jewish, and you know, why doesn't he feel the same? Because mm-hmm. they hate Jews just as much right, as they hate yeah. black people, um, or maybe not, whatever. But you know, they're they're lumped into the same group, and. Uh, he basically kind of explains, you know, he's like, oh, Jew- I'm Jewish, but I'm not, you know, it's not right. like a big he part of my life. Like it's not raised Jewish. Yeah, he just, says, I, think. I just am Jewish. Like, it's not really like a thing. And there's an interesting play there of sort of the difference when he can. And there's some discussion about how he, you know, he can just be a white guy. Mm-hmm. He, the fact that he's Jewish doesn't ever come up with right, most yeah. people like nobody knows. He's just is a guy. He's a white guy. He can live as a, a sort of privileged as part of the privileged majority, even though he is a sort of classically disenfranchised group, he doesn't have to live that mm-hmm. way. Um, and I was an interesting interplay there, and I wanted to know if that was something that's re- or represented in the book. And it sounds like that's not no. a discussion that happens. Okay. Uh, this is sound, this felt very much like a movie ad to me. So in the the Kwame Turi rally, uh, Ron meets uh, the 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 student who organized this event. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's the leader of again the Black Student Union or some, some uh, Black student group on on Colorado campus, and uh, they start dating in the movie. Mm-hmm. And she is a Black Power uh, Black Power movement, whatever the right words because they, they use a lot of different slogans in the movie. Yeah. Um, she's very much a revolutionary think sort of thinking uh, progressive like uh, voice who is you know truth to power like. Mm-hmm. Um, she never does anything, you know, sort in the terms of like violent revolution or, or and they don't really even have any plans to, but they talk yeah. a lot about how they, you have to change the system from outside the system. The system's yeah. broken. We have to tear the system down. Yeah. Um, is that, is, is that happen in the book? Does he date that, that somebody from a very different perspective on how to go about fixing things? Uh, no, uh, the character of Patrice was entirely fabricated okay. for the movie. I thought that would yeah. be the case. Um, in the book, he mentions once that he'd been, been seeing a girl he really liked, but that's literally the extent <laughs> of it. Yeah. There's no name or anything. Um, in real life, his wife's name is Patsy, oh. which is... Not Close, far from yeah. Patrice, uh, but that was all I could find out about her. There's not like, yeah, yeah. there's not like a Wikipedia article mm-hmm. about her activism history or anything like that. Okay, interesting. Um, because that's one of the things I really, so we were talking about it earlier, and this is where I want to talk about it. Um, the movie definitely takes some time exploring the 
different perspectives. So yeah. Ron Stallworth is a cop, mm-hmm. and you know she hates cops. She calls them all pigs. Uh, part they're all just part of the, uh, you know, the system enforcing sort of the enforcing the the rules of the racist system that has disenfranchised black people from the very beginning of the country. Mm-hmm. And you know they're just another cog in the machine. Um, and he sort of comes from the other perspective of you know well not all cops are bad mm-hmm. uh, not hashtag not all cops he, he not all cops are <laughs> um, but because uh, his so it's the two perspectives of she's on the side of revolutionary change we have to burn the system down and start mm-hmm. over it, it, the system will never be just because it is born of a an unjust system mm-hmm. and he is the the other side of. Yes, the system's unjust, but the only way to fix it is from working within the system. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be able to burn it down and start it over. And we don't ever get a... The movie doesn't necessarily pick a side. No. Which I thought was interesting. Yeah, I would say that they do not. Uh, no, no. It it definitely has a slant. I mean, the end end of the film, the post-movie part of the film mm-hmm. uh, that recounts sort of the events at Charlottesville... Mm-hmm. Um, definitely leaves uh, and sort of the also the end where at the end of the spoilers at the end of the film um, he conquers he wins the day he the, the KKK are defeated they yeah. blow themselves up um, everybody sit, congratulates him uh, except for the chief well the chief congratulates him but then also says and we gotta never talk about this yeah um, we gotta bury this case and pretend it never happened um, but good job uh but then after that all wraps up, the last moment of the film, uh, the clan is out burning a cross on their mm-hmm. on his lawn. I think you could take a message there that or you could you could take from that the message that so all of your work within the system trying to fix this didn't do jack shit. Yeah. The clan still exists, they're still here. And even to the point of and then and that was in nineteen seventy six or whatever, and now flash forward two thousand 18 or 17 or whatever year that was the charlottesville rally Mm -hmm. the clan is still fucking here yeah so you're you're working within the system good job it felt good you got some pats (laughs) on the back but you didn't fucking change anything i could see that argument you i could see that being or i could see taking that message Mm -hmm. from from the film but it's i think it's it's a little more nuanced and a little more complicated than that yeah. it, the the what the movie presents i think i don't know if you disagree but i i know I, I agree with you i think the main portion of the film doesn't really pick a side yeah. come down on hard on either side but if you look at kind of how it ends and what it's yeah. followed up with i think you can make that argument yeah. more so than yeah the other half of the argument i agree it definitely yeah when you take it as a whole it definitely comes more on the side of the system it, it's not we can't just work within the system to try yeah. to fix it but it's it's complicated because I, I don't know a lot about spike lee but he i don't know i he definitely strikes me as somebody who who comes down on that uh, more towards the revolutionary mm-hmm. um burn the system down or i keep saying that for lack of a better I don't know if that would exactly be the argument that he or Patrice would make necessarily, but that's kind of a short hand for yeah. that perspective. I don't, know, I don't know. I don't know where I was going to go with that. Um, yeah, I think, I think it does. I think as a whole, the movie comes down more uh, left for lack of a better word, mm-hmm. more sort of more um, progressive quote unquote than sort of the, the story of the movie does. Yeah. 
and and more so than what probably Ron Stallworth's personal opinions are. Probably. It would seem based yeah. on his character in the movie. Um anyways, I thought it was really interesting and one of the most compelling parts of the movie for me. Mm-hmm. And again, I have all of this couched with the fact that I have very little skin in this game. Like literally, uh, in terms, you know what I mean? Like in terms of, (laughs) I'm just an outsider looking in and going, yes, hmm, this is interesting. It doesn't generally affect me personally that much. So other than just my, my moral, (laughs) uh, feelings about the topic. Uh, this is a very specific line that I just wanted to know was in the movie or not, because it's hilarious. It's just a hilarious moment in the film. And I wanted to know if that was this, if if he recollected this particular line, he's on the phone with David Duke and David Duke, uh, they're talking and they're discussing. He's, he, uh, Ron Stallworth says to him, how do you know you, have you ever had a black person call you and try to trick you into thinking they were white? He basically comes right out and says what he's doing. And David Duke says, no, 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 I can always tell when I'm talking to a Negro. And he explains, like, the way mm-hmm. he, he thinks black people talk. Um, is that from the book? Because, I, I mean, it's just a delicious little moment of, like, sort of uh, irony and, and comedy in the film. And I want to know if that specific moment of basically David Duke going, nah, I can tell. Is that, is that, a lo- is that something David Duke said to him in, in the book? Basically, what I'm asking is, is there an interchange or an interaction between David Duke and Ron Stallworth where David Duke tells him he would know if he was talking to a black man on the phone and they have that sort of back and forth? Yes. There is. Yes. Okay. scene is almost word for word. Okay. Yeah. That's what I was asking. then. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's all I was asking. Um, I'm not sure what you thought I was asking. Well, I thought you were asking me because you just wrote. The line in here, and I didn't know you. I thought you were asking, like, is this specific oh, exact line no. Sorry. in the book? Sorry. Well, I didn't when I was looking at your notes, but then when you brought it up, I thought that you were asking about that specific line. Gotcha. In the film, David Duke's coming to town mm-hmm. uh, to do the in- induction of the new clan members, and he's had threats against his life, and he needs protective duty. And the only cop that can do the job, according to the chief slash captain or whoever, is Ron Stallworth. And Ron gets put on protective duty for David Duke. Does that happen in the book? It does. It does. He that does get felt yes. super like a movie ad to no, me. No, he that happened. He does get put on protective duty for David Duke when he comes to town. Uh, it seems like an irresponsible decision, no matter how you slice it. Yeah. Um, although in the book, I will say there is some discussion that he might be the best man for the job because he's in the unique position to like recognize all the major players without them like knowing that he recognizes them. Yeah, that's fair, I guess. But it but still seems like a really irresponsible route to take. Seems like a terrible idea. When they talk about that, that that's so amazing to me because they go out they go on at length in the film about how stupid this is. Like Adam yeah. Driver and everybody else is like, what are you talking about? He can't be the person he's like I've talked to him on the phone. They like what this is a terrible idea. Um and and it just felt very much like something added specifically to get Ron Stallworth in the same building, in yeah. the same room with all of these other people that we've been watching the whole time, you know, <laughs> to kind of make that all come together and coalesce for the end of the film. 
it's felt super like a script ad. It, it is. Yeah. It's one of those things that is so just incredible yeah. that it does feel like something added yeah. for the movie, but that happened. Yeah. That's one of those, uh, truth is stranger than fr- fiction. You, know, yeah. you can't always, yeah. It's one of those things where it's sometimes, uh, real life does feel like a movie. Cause that's, <laughs> that's nonsense. That's crazy to me. Uh, and then, uh, so in this final thing where they're all there, uh, one of the uh, Felix specifically, and the other guy who's like the bomb guy mm-hmm. figure out, um, because the bomb guy in the movie, and I don't know his name, uh, I did not know his no, name either, realizes that Flip is a cop. Adam yeah. Driver's character he goes, he sent me to jail. Like, yes. I know that guy. He's a cop. Um, and so they kind of figure everything out. And then also Felix puts it together that Ron is Ron Stallworth because he looked him up in the phone book. Mm-hmm. And there was this whole side little moment where he goes to thinking he's going to Adam Driver's apartment. He actually yeah. ends up at Ron Stallworth's apartment. And sees him there. Um, and then so that's how he realizes later that that's what's yes. going on. Does that happen? Does the clan figure it all out in the book? No. Okay. They never <laughs> figure it out. Um, and as a side note, having read the book, the idea of David Duke reading it years later and being like, wait a minute. Yeah. Just like really pleases me. Yes. Well, see, David Duke didn't know uh, in the movie, right? Well, they they well, we'll talk about it here in a second. What happens in the movie? Mm-hmm. But in terms of like, he doesn't figure it out with no, the, like he's no. not privy to like the rest of the, the other couple clansmen figuring out what's going on here. Um, so I guess it is possible, and we'll talk about how the book, how this story wraps up in the book here in just a second. It is possible that the clan could have figured it out and Ron not known. Depending on what happens here. We'll, we'll talk about it. Maybe that's not possible. I don't know how this ends in real life, which we're <laughs> about to talk about um, right now. So in the film, uh, the crazy racist clan wife lady is going to plant a bomb at the uh, the black activist's house to blow up a Ron Stallworth's girlfriend. Again, not mm-hmm. Ron Stallworth's girlfriend. Maybe there's no bomb plot at all in the book. I guess that would be the place to start this out. Because my question is a little more uh, specific beyond that. Um, my, in the but it's anyway. So she goes to plant this bomb. She can't fit it in the mailbox to blow up. Yeah, uh, and she's like panicking. She's and freaking, freaking out, out, and she goes to Plan B, which is to put it in the car. I guess she mm-hmm. tries to stick it in her car, and and she does. We don't know for sure where the bomb is, mm-hmm. which is kind yes. of the well, some of the drama of the movie at that last part. We we never see her specifically put it anywhere, but she tries to put it in the mailbox. She tries to put it in the car, and then we don't know if she put it in the car, if she still has it, or where the yeah. bomb is. Um, and then the clan rolls up. And they park next to the car and they flip the switch and the bomb goes off and blows up the three or four guys that are in the of the clan members. Um, Uh, It's Felix, including her husband, including her husband. It's Felix, who's her husband. Uh, I think Walter's not there. Maybe I have no idea. I can't remember. It's Felix. I think it's Felix Ivanhoe and the bomb guy, Mm -hmm. I think, are the three because they are the three that run out at the dinner or whatever, Um, blow themselves up. uh, And that's our happy ending. Does that happen? <laughs> no. Okay. Uh, the entire plot thread with Connie and the C4 bomb yeah. and all of that was added for the movie. Okay. That's kind of what I thought. I thought, because I, I hadn't done a bunch of reading, but the vibe I had got was basically what this investigation uncovers, which they do talk about in the book, is that there's some clans members that work at NORAD. And yeah. They that get, was like the biggest that's thing. That's like the big thing, like the sort of big reveal. Yeah. Um. And so the whole bomb plot was added for some added stakes and to kind of wrap that storyline up. Yeah. And a totally reasonable 
uh, again, kind of what we talked about in the prequel episode, the truth of the sort of emotional message of Mm -hmm. the story as opposed to, like, the facts of what happened. But a narrative demands a climax. Yes. Yeah, and if the climax is, oh, these two guys are work at the... Yeah. That's not a very particularly exciting climax. It's not particularly satisfying to watch as a movie anyway. Two of the Klansmen are in the army. Case closed. (laughs) I mean, it is nice that they do include that, and that's, like, one of the... Yeah, no, they did include that in the movie, which was nice. Yeah, and it is kind of how the story wraps up after the the bomb goes off. But so the bomb plot not part of the movie, uh, not which, part of the book, not part of the book. Sorry, part of the movie, not part of the book, which makes sense and is kind of what I was expecting mm-hmm. with that. Uh, and then finally, oh, two things. One, they they undercover Sting, the racist cop in the movie. Uh, they talk about the guy with the mustache, um, who he at one point he stops uh, Patrice and Kwame Ture. Mm-hmm. And like shakes him down and is an asshole to him. Um, and then also they talk about how he killed a black kid, like mm-hmm. or shot a black kid a year before or something like that. Uh, so he's like of <laughs> of all the racists in the police department, he's like the racist in the police department. Yeah, um, he's like our representation yeah. of that kind of yeah. cop. He's our representation of. Yeah, exactly. He's our symbol of that cop in the movie. Um, and he gets his comeuppance by, uh, he gets undercover stung by the other cops. Mm-hmm. Does, is in, I don't think there's a necessarily that cop in the book anyways. And so I'm assuming he doesn't get arrested Yeah, none by, of that is okay. in the book. Um, aside from telling a few like anecdotes about comments that were made to him, which to me all seemed like fairly tame stuff. Yeah. Honestly, um, Stallworth doesn't mention any like openly racist, openly cops, racist cops in his yeah. department, which is kind of the vibe I got from without reading the book. The vibe I got from his character in the movie. Now, I felt like they took him probably a little more, quote unquote, progressive, maybe maybe a little in, yeah. the, in the movie than his character than the man is in real life or was at the who knows um, now or whatever. But uh in in the movie it felt like they kind of leaned him a little more towards and again it's a movie they're making his character more yes. um interesting and 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 to and representative of sort of the fight for equality right w- w- working within the system that all the stuff we talked about earlier um yeah and that, that it doesn't come up whether or not that's actually the case or if he just didn't want to bring it into the story right. didn't want to write about it is anyone's guess. Yeah. That mo- so I want to talk about this here because I think it's about as well we could maybe talk about it later too but that that undercover sting where they bust the racist cop and then when he goes into the to work right afterwards mm-hmm. and everybody's high-fiving him I literally thought we were like getting like a dream segment. It did feel kind of surreal. It felt super surreal. Uh, the way because everybody's like, haha, we busted the racist cop. The chief walks into the bar. Like, why mm-hmm. would he be there? And like, he's like, gotcha. And they're like, ha ha. And then like, he walks in and everybody's high fiving him for busting the KKK. And I'm like, it almost <sighs> like, it almost there for a few minutes turns into like a power fantasy. It does. And that's why I thought, okay, but I get, and I want to talk through it. But I, that's why, one, I thought like, this is all feeling a little too surreal. Are we going to get. That this is not what actually happened, and ultimately what happened is not interesting. Mm-hmm. Or not not interesting, but... Uh, kind of a letdown. A letdown in terms of, like, yeah, some clan guys got busted, 
he still had to he went back to work still dealt with somewhat racist coworker you know like yeah. uh, if if not overtly racist coworkers but like sort of innocuously racist coworkers and um and you know not everybody was high fiving him about this and uh, the 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 super racist cops aren't getting busted by undercover cop stings like that's not mm-hmm. happening um and and so that was kind of my take and but then movie doesn't go that direction i think the idea is that that did all happen mm-hmm. um but what i said earlier where then the last moment within the film of within the narrative of the film uh, where the him and Patrice uh, glide down that hallway, yeah, and there's the clans out there burning a cross on yeah. their on their yard. Very much, I think, to me, is the idea that yeah, look at all the high fives, all the all the great, woo, good job. The clan well, still yeah, exists, still standing on your lawn, burning crosses yeah. because this is America, as Donald Glover said. <laughs> <laughs> um, which I think is probably the. Yeah. Maybe the what the what the movie's going for, yeah. Potentially, uh, final question for was that in the movie? Does he roast David Duke on the phone? Uh, no, that's not in the book. That's a fun scene. He calls up David Duke and he explains like what the what whole happened. jig. Like, yeah, yeah, you know, I was I was the one who was on the phone with you. I'm I'm a black guy, and he does the thing where from earlier in the movie where David Duke said, "Well, black people say are this way or whatever." And then he starts saying it. Yeah, it's a fun scene. Yeah. Um, but the whole, like I said, this whole ending felt super surreal. Though the book ends basically with the chief telling them that they have to, that they're ending the case and they have to, like, basically never talk about it again. Yeah. Um, and that's what happens yeah. in the movie, too. Yeah. He does the say movie, that. Yeah. If it had been more true to the book, the movie yeah. would have stopped there. Yeah. Um, it would have been, it would have, they would have shown him, like, sneaking a case book out and then yeah. that would have been the end of the movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that doesn't happen. He doesn't roast David Duke on the phone. I'm not sure he could have. I feel like he would have had to go into witness protection. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, maybe. Although I did enjoy in that scene that they had everyone standing around laughing. Yeah. Um, because that element did feel true to what Stallworth described oh, really? in the book. Okay. Yeah. That when he was on the phone with these Klansmen, everybody yeah. would just like stand around trying not to laugh. Yeah. That's interesting. You know, that makes me feel... That's wild because there's this... L- <sighs> I wonder, and, and 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 the movie doesn't explore this explore this super a lot, but I wonder. So like, I would find it hard to believe that if you went into a cop precinct in most of not, I don't want to say most of the country, a lot of the country today. Mm-hmm. And I could be wrong about this. This is just a perspective perception type of thing, um, and maybe it's not helped by living where we live. Uh, <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. Um, in the in the in very white Midwest, uh, conservative Midwest, um, Bible Belt, baby. Yeah, I I would find it hard to believe that a cop doing an undercover sting of the Klan or of uh, whatever pick your right wing mm-hmm. white nationalist group, uh, if you know if the Klan's not quite as active as some other groups, right? Um, but pick your group, and uh, I would find it hard to believe that a cop doing an undercover like sort of staying on that group today in a much of this country mm-hmm. would have his whole department hanging around laughing at the dumb white nationalists and now maybe that's pessimistic on my yeah it's an interesting question because it's true that 
a lot about American society hasn't changed. Yeah. But it's also true that stuff has changed. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. And like I said, I, I agree that, like, you go to, like, a lot of, like, any of the more progressive parts of the country. Mm-hmm. And maybe maybe Colorado Springs at that time was a more of a progressive place than I think it is now. It's kind of like a super heavily Christ, white mm-hmm. Christian town which I assume it still was then at the time. I, I don't know. Um, but anyways, uh, so like, yeah, if you go, if you, if if this is if this is San Francisco and they're fucking, you know, or what, what pick your liberal bastion and uh, they're doing an undercover sting, I I can imagine the idea of mm-hmm. everybody in the department kind of laughing at the idea of fucking white nationalists. But maybe again, maybe it's sort of my pessimism of just the world currently that I find right. that hard to believe that most police stations would have a contingent of people who weren't at least sympathetic to that. And maybe, maybe I'm wrong. I, and maybe I, again, maybe I'm being overly pessimistic here that I feel like way more people harbor sympathies for white nationalist groups now than did 30 years ago. I don't think you're wrong. I mean, if, if we think about it, if we're going, well, it's, this is even more than 30 years ago now. 50 Um, years ago. Sorry. But if we're thinking about it, you know, at this time in the early to mid 70s, Reagan hadn't happened yet. Um, 9-11 hadn't happened yet and everything following that, you know. Yeah. And that's the thing. And I I wonder if that wasn't part of what the movie was going for that. I think I I think it is what part of the movie was going for to some extent um, is that. Yeah. Is that. In 1976. Uh, the idea that white nationalism was taken seriously by any real contingency, even with people being racist, Mm -hmm. like even people within the police department being kind of racist, the idea of those same people being like being on board at all with like the Klan Mm -hmm. is like laughable to some extent. Mm -hmm. Like that's just not a thing that happened. But now I, I'm, I, I wonder (laughs) about that i actually i want to i want to talk about this at the end okay of um but I, I have some thoughts coming off of that okay all right all right i don't know i was just thought that was really interesting and i and again i think the movie it's definitely one of the topics the movie wants you to think about so. yeah uh let's do lost in adaptation because i do have a little something for that just show me the way to get out of here and i'll be on my way wow was a lost yes yes and i want to get unlost as soon as possible and this is just some ex. Uh, I want some expanding on what we get in the film. Uh, we get very little background on Ron Stallworth mm-hmm. and why he wanted to become a cop. Mm-hmm. What made him choose to be decide? Yeah, I'm going to be the first black cop in Colorado Springs um, because, I, from what I read, that is the case. That, mm-hmm. that, yes, of that. Um, in the movie, he does eventually mention when he's talking to Patrice at one point that he always wanted to be a cop, but that's like uh-huh. the extent of what right. what we kind of get for his motivations on on doing this. Do we get any more in the book? Yes. Okay. Uh, the movie makes some streamlining changes here. Uh, in the book, Colorado Springs PD has a cadet program. Okay. And he does that to help put himself through college because oh, okay. he initially wanted to be a teacher. Oh. Um, but once he got into the program, he fell in love with police work and then with undercover work, and he stayed. Okay, 
That 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 makes a lot more sense, yeah. and that totally fleshes out sort of why. Because again, in the movie, all we get is him walk up, see the sign, yeah. and go, "I'm gonna be a cop." <laughs> the the way that the movie portrays it, it almost looks like he was just walking yeah. by and was like, "Hey, yeah, yeah. kind of <laughs> like, like a cool idea." Like how when he calls up the KKK, it's just like flipping through the newspaper. <laughs> no, I'm gonna do this, like yeah. Uh, and again, the movie has a lot of other things to explore and a lot of other plot to get through. So kind yes. of streamlining those things. Again, yeah, I, I, I get it. It's not super important, and I get it. Uh, and it and it makes it makes it, it it's fun and it works for the film. I was just wondering since it is based on a true story, I was like, what what's going on there? That makes a lot of sense, though. Did he have, does he mention at all uh, sort of his feelings about being the first black cop or? Um, Does he talk about that at all? A little bit. Yeah. Um, He kind of talks about, I mean, he talks about, like, some of the challenges of that, like, within the department, within the community. Yeah. um, And some of the people he has to interact with. Yeah. Um, And he talks a little bit about how, like, even some of the people in his own community don't like that he's a cop. Yeah. Um, it's not overall. It's not really a focus. Yeah, of he's the more book, focused but, on the specific. Yeah, case. but he does. Um, the first couple chapters are kind of background, so he does talk about it there. Cool. All right. Well, that was all I had for Lost in Adaptation. So let's go to Better in the Book. You like to read? Oh yes, I love to read. What do you like to read? Everything. All right. So I do have a few things here that I kind of missed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because that, that'll be with this. It's more like little details that were missed because it's yeah. not a creative vision in the book. Yes. That, you know what I mean? So yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a little different with a nonfiction to a movie. Um, so the movie portrays him getting into the undercover intelligence division by, like, he goes and talks to him once and says, like, I want to do this. And then, like, a scene later, they're like, all right, here's your shot. Uh, In the book, he has more, like, persistence with it. Yeah. Like, he goes and, like, specifically purposefully forges relationships with all the intelligence guys um, and is, like, super persistent. And I get why they cut it down, but it was also, like, really cute. Yeah. Because, like, he, you know, he's, like, a young cadet. He's, like, 18 years old. And he's, (laughs) like, every time the sergeant walks in, he's, like, make me a narc and, like, yells at him. It was kind of adorable. Yeah. It You know, it's interesting, too, because I think that creative choice in the movie makes a lot of sense, and it's sort of... Uh, plays with the so he he wants to be he's like I don't want to I don't want to be a in the movie he's a, the he works in the records room he's like I don't want to do this anymore mm-hmm. uh, I want to be a narc and so we don't get any of the build up of him sort of you know his journey to that we yes. just immediately he gets put on it but I think that works because the 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 case that he gets put on is you get to go spy on your fellow black man right and and sort of be you know it's like this it's like it's like yeah oh yeah you get to be an undercover but you're gonna do what we want you to do which is go spy on this black speaker mm-hmm. and tell us about you know should we be worried about the black people rising up you know, like it's very it works with the narrative of the film and sort of mm-hmm. the meta narrative of of uh what we talked about sort of being part of the system but working for change and that sort of thing like I think that streamline works because yeah, for sure. Because the first case they put him on, it's like yeah, go tell us what the what those black people are up to, <laughs> you know. Um, the book has a funny story about his first police hat. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so when the guy uh, measures his head 
to fit him with his police hat. He's got, um, he says he has a small afro, Mm -hmm. which he does in the movie. Yeah. Um, Although it felt like maybe in the book it was slightly smaller. Yeah. Was the vibe that I got. Um, And when he measures him, he like presses down. to measure his his head head which results in an untrue size um but instead of like complaining about it he just perches the hat on top of his (laughs) afro and walks around like that that would have been a great visual i know that's what i like and i i get like the time thing and cutting it for that but it would have been really visually funny yeah that would have been hilarious um and it also sets him up as someone who trolls his way yeah, to victory. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that also sort of works uh, uh, just within his character in mm-hmm. the film as somebody who's, you know... Yeah, yeah, because yeah, he just, like, walks around with it perched on top of his afro until finally, like, one of the higher-ups is like, get him a new hat. Yeah. What's wrong with you? Yeah, yeah, that absolutely would have worked uh, in the film, especially, like I said, it works with his character, it works with sort of the, 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 the contentious relationship they establish mm-hmm. between him and like the chief and that sort of thing. It's really surprising to me that that wasn't included. Yeah. Um, there are also some additional investigations in the book. Um, as they're investigating the KKK, that kind of gets expanded. Um, they also are looking into a group called the Posse Comitatus. Oh. Which... Latin. Great. Um, was something I had never heard of, um, but it's it's basically like a deep right wing um, white supremacist survivalist yeah. anti-establishment kind right. of a group, um, and they're they're very worried about them like joining forces with the KKK, yeah, because the, the posse comitatus people are crazy, yeah, according to the book. Mm. Not um, like those K- not like those crazier same KKK than members. Than the KKK yeah. members. Um, and they also have, like, he does a little bit of intelligence on some, like, left-wing groups that show up to um, kind of be there in resistance to the emerging clan. Yeah. Um, but he talks about how, like, they're not quite as well organized as yeah. the right-wing groups, yeah. so they're not as much of a concern for it's us. traditionally been the way of it, I think. <laughs> That's uh, accurate still to this day to some extent. Um, but. but I thought it, it gave a good sense in the book of like what they were doing and what they were hoping to achieve, which yeah. is basically just like keep the peace in keep, Colorado yeah, Springs. Keep, keep that status quo. <laughs> um, so in the book, the Klan never realizes who he is. Um, the investigation ends and ends and it just kind of goes quietly into the night. Yeah. Um, and I get it from a tension building perspective, but I feel like it doesn't make a whole lot of sense in the movie. What them figuring it out? Well, with them figuring it out, I feel like it doesn't make sense when you consider that the end, they end the investigation the exact same way where they're just like, shut it down and don't talk about it again. Yeah. Cause like. Well, so they here, know who he is. They no, know they the, don't. They're all dead. I guess that's here's what here's what it is. I think the but movie clearly they do because then they burn a cross on his lawn. Right. I think that's. So I think there's. I think the movie is a little more. Uh, um. So so one thing I noticed. I think the movie. The implication the movie's going for, and and it's. Uh, it's not what happened, but this is kind of what the movie. How the movie writes adds the story with the bomb plot and then them dying 
and makes it try to round it all up is that he destroys. So he keeps the case file Mm -hmm. and we see that at the end of the movie. But he does rip up and throw away one sheet of paper in the film. And that is the medical, uh, the, 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 the person who, uh, what should we call it? Medical examiner. It says medical examiner. I don't know exactly mm-hmm. what it was. I assume that's from the autopsies of the Klansmen mm. who got blown up. Mm-hmm. So my thought is that that's the part, the reason that that's, the movie's saying the reason that's not in the book and we don't know about that is because he, he got rid of that part, mm. but kept the rest <laughs> of the, and, and then so never talked about that. And and also those are the three the three people who knew who he was, right? Are they're all dead? So that but then and then the cross burning at the end is less to do with him specifically and more just the clan burning the cross on some black people's lawn. Yeah, I guess it was my thought. Not he calls David Duke and tells him right, and that's for the for the lulls. Right that's for the memes. No, I, I, I get it. I get like the nice feel good stuff at the end i just feel like when you start thinking about it it doesn't necessarily pan out yeah it might not yeah you might not be wrong i would have to watch it again and kind of see how that all adds up because again i've only watched it once i i do agree to some extent but i i think the movie kind of tries to figure out tie that up in a way um but also it's complicated by the fact that i'm still not exactly sure what the end of the movie is supposed to mean because it is yeah. so surreal yeah. that i'm not exactly sure i think like what we discussed earlier i think it's probably a pretty good read on it but i i would be interested to see other people's takes on the end mm-hmm. of the film and what kind of what it's going for there um so all right all right that's what i had for better in the book better in the movie my life has taught me one lesson hugo and not the one i thought it would Happy endings only happen in the movies. Uh, so I like that the movie acknowledged that Kwame Ture changed his name. Yeah. Because the book does not. They just call him Stokely Carmichael. Yeah. And that's there's even a scene in the movie where he, they have a contentious back and forth. Where, yeah. And that was... Yeah. I thought that was interesting where uh, Ron Stallworth is like repeatedly saying, no, it's Kwame Ture. Yeah. And he's going, no. Well, I don't care what he calls himself. It's... Um, I'm calling him whatever Stokely Carmichael or whatever. Um, they also made some changes to his speech. Yeah. Um, they made it more focused specifically on like police violence. Yeah. Which is uh in theme for the movie and yeah. also very topical currently. Yeah. Um, in the book, I mean, he doesn't like give us an outline of his speech, but right. it's more like generically. Yeah. About like. The struggles of the black yeah. community. Yeah, and, and it's just sort of systemic racism. Yeah, in, yeah. In more broad terms. Yes, in yeah. more broad terms. Um, so they kind of like focused in yeah. for his speech yeah, in the movie. Um, I thought making Flip Jewish was interesting. Um, interesting to, to give him a horse in the race. Yeah. And then, and then that play, like we discussed earlier, that sort of back and forth between mm-hmm. Stallworth and him mm-hmm. about that is, is interesting. Um, and we talked about the side plot with Patrice, and like you, I thought that was a good way to comment on different perspectives in this whole issue. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, she's pretty. She's very pretty. She's very pretty. Mm-hmm. Uh, I liked the lie detector scene. Yeah, I thought that was it was funny and interesting. Yeah, and horrible. Yes, but also funny. Yeah. 
I, so I think the other thing, so I can go both ways on the making flip Jewish thing. I think it would be interesting. And I like the idea of it, of him not having skin in the race and doing this because it's the right, yeah, thing, it's the to right do. thing to do. That's fair. Um, and versus like, I'm do, which, which is kind of what he does in the movie anyways. Like he, he, like he says, he's not super, mm-hmm. he doesn't, he's not super into like his Jewish heritage and it's not something he's ever really thought of. You know, it's not, not a big part of his life. So when he does do this, it is because essentially because mm-hmm. it's is the right thing to do. But he also does have that kind of skin in the game. But the the reason the adding it for the movie works a lot is that, that that adds a lot of tension that wouldn't necessarily be there. There would still be tension between the scenes with Adam Driver and the clan, but this adds a whole nother layer, especially yes. with Felix, like yes. you said, like the lie detector scene where he's like convinced uh, uh Adam Driver flip is Jewish. And we know he actually is. Yeah. So it, it adds that layer of tension of like what's going to happen here. Whereas if we know he's not, that lie detector test is pointless. I mean, it's still interesting because lie detector tests are bogus bullshit anyways. <laughs> but that's a whole other topic. But, right. But we could assume he maybe he'll pass. It. Like he's not Jewish. Like if mm-hmm. he wasn't, then it, the, the, a lot of that tension is diffused from that scene. Right. Yes. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I also liked that they gave the story more of a climax with the bomb yeah. plot. Yeah. A story needs a climax. It does. It does need a, a, a the big. The big moment. The big moment. And it has the of big oof. moment. All right. Let's move on to the movie Nailed It. As I expected, practically perfect in every way. Um. Okay. I have a couple things here. Um, the interview at the beginning where they're talking to him about whether or not he can beat Jackie Robinson. Oh, yeah. Is um, pretty close to how it plays out in the book. Uh, we talked about David Duke's How Black People Talk ah, scene. Yes. Which is, like I said, almost word for word. Mm-hmm. And the scene where Ron Stallworth takes a photo with David Duke. Yeah, I looked for that photo. I couldn't find it. It's that he actually talks about that in the book. Oh. He says that he it just got lost somewhere oh, along the okay. line. Because yeah. as soon as that scene happened while we were watching, I started Googling to I see. I'm like, that's one of the... Because what I expected to happen was they take that picture. Because they've done this. I've seen this in movies before where they take that picture. Like I think like Band of Brothers has done mm-hmm. this. The sort of like where it's historical dramas where they go, oh, everybody get around and take a picture. And then when they, they insert the actual picture of the people as opposed mm-hmm. to a picture of the actors. Um, and so I was expecting that to happen in the movie. I was expecting them to take that picture and then we actually see the real picture. Yeah. Um, and then when we didn't, I was like, weird. And then I looked it up and I didn't find it anywhere. So I, yeah, so it got lost. That's yes, unfortunate. I know. It really is. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been an interesting picture. I know. There's a photo insert um, in the book, too, and that was like one of the first things I looked for. Oh, and yeah, I was like, like wah, wah. Yeah, not there. Yeah. But it was a Polaroid. Yeah. So there was no like backup film or anything. Yeah. Yeah. If you lost the Polaroid, you're yeah. pretty much out of luck. So, all right. And that was before everyone took pictures on their phones. <laughs> so it didn't go to the cloud. Yeah. All right. Let's do uh, some odds and ends, general notes before we wrap this bad boy up. Um, I really just have one main thing okay. that I want to talk about. So, and I want to talk about that at the end before I go into the final okay. verdict. Uh, I only had a couple things. One, uh, I mentioned it earlier, but the guy who plays Adam Driver's partner is Michael Buscemi. And I, the whole time at the beginning of this film, <laughs> I was like, this guy looks like, is that Steve Buscemi? He looks like a 
slightly normal, more normal looking <laughs> Steve Buscemi. And then I looked, I clicked, we paused it at one point uh-huh. and the little thing popped up saying who all the actors in the scene were. And it said Michael Buscemi. And I was like, what? Is that his brother? It's his brother. Didn't even know he had a brother. I did not either. I, and I've never seen him in anything before. I honestly thought it was Steve Buscemi the whole time. I, so. I did for a long time. I, I knew it wasn't because I'm like, that's not Steve Buscemi. But it looked so much like him. It was weirding me out. And yeah, it's his brother. Hmm. I had no idea that his brother, I, just, I mean, that he had an act, a brother that acted. But there you go. Um, I, I thought this line was hilarious. Uh, Is your dick circumstanced? <laughs> yes. That was during the the uh, the the lie detector scene um, when the when Felix is trying to figure out if Adam Driver's Jewish or not. He asks yeah. him if his dick is circumstanced, which sure great line. <laughs> um, and then this particular scene was one of the most interesting in the whole film, and the most horrifying is the the bedroom scene with the Felix and his wife. Oh my god! Where they're discussing murdering. A bunch of black people with a bomb. Yeah. And it's like bedroom talk. Yeah, it's like their version of pillow talk. Cuddling and like kissing and talking about blowing up black people. And it is a truly affecting scene. (laughs) Romance. Yeah, in a very disturbing way. Uh, And it's one of those things where you're sitting there and you're like, this must happen. This yeah. must there must be people out there like oh, this. There Not are. a lot of them probably, but there are some of them. <laughs> like holy shit. That's horrifying. That's uh, Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Um, while we're on the topic of Connie, yeah. though. The scene where they're watching Birth of a Nation. Oh god. And she's like reading, shouting, oh, shouting all of the placards. Shouting every single uh, cuz like, it's a silent, well it's not silent, but yeah, there's no voices, there's music, but yeah, every single title card that yeah. comes up, she just yells it and it's like, "Oh." And then like commenting on all of the stuff, and I'm like, "Oh, so not only are you the worst, but you're also the worst." Like, "Oh, you're you're a white nationalist and a member of the KKK, and that's not the worst thing about you." <laughs> You yell everything, every obvious thing from a movie in a, in a crowded theater. Jesus. Yeah. Uh, by the way, in case you're unaware, that the worst thing about her is the, the, the racism. And I was making a joke. Um, yeah. 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 Her character was, uh, she did a very good job of making that just one of the most unappealing yeah. Human beings. Well, her and her husband both, yeah. honestly. They're both just the worst. It's so interesting because I remember, and I'm sure the movie does this on purpose, and it's a really, really effective. You, the the uh, Walter, the KKK Walter guy, mm-hmm. you spend so much time with Felix and Connie and, uh, and even David Duke to some extent that Walter, by three quarters of the way through the movie or so, you're like... Walter guy's not that bad. <laughs> Fucking Lee, he's the yeah. f- founding member. Like, but and that movie does that to you on purpose, and it makes you and you say that, and then you think to yourself, "What the fuck is wrong with me?" But it does that on purpose. I guarantee it is because yeah, you look at this other guy, you're like, "It seems kind of normal. Like he's just a guy. Like he's not. He's Felix is crazy. Like yeah. Felix is in like off the off the wall." Um, and sorry for using keep using crazy like in that Connie's the worst right um yeah so like Connie and Felix are the worst and Ivanhoe is an idiot and you know like they're and David Duke is like this weird like super manipulative like, lizard like slimy lizard person and you look at Walter and you're like 
he's just a guy. But then you're like, what the no? He's, he, he started up, restarted the KKK chapter in Colorado Springs. Like, he's not just he's a like... a very normal Klansman. Yeah, but the movie fucking gets you. And I was like, ooh, well done, movie. I see what you did there, and I appreciate that. Like, And that is a, a very distinct choice, I think, on the movie's part. And, mm-hmm. I, and it was very effective and had me re-examine. As soon as my brain did it, I was like, this Walter, man, he's got a... Why can't they all just be like, Walter, like, fuck! Stop. God. All right. Good job, Spike Lee. You got me. <laughs> uh. Anyways, what was you have your you had your odd was something you wanted to talk All about? All right. So, I want to talk about maybe the biggest big picture difference between the book and the movie. Okay. Which is the overall portrayal of the clan members. Okay. Um, so the movie kind of I think to some extent portrays them as like all out evil owing that we mostly interact with Felix yeah and like like, a, like we were just discussing Walter feels less so yes like outright evil. yes um and also kind of portrays them as being fairly competent the book does and, or and the, the movie or the movie yeah in well, what they're doing eh, <laughs> I would argue maybe not so much but Somewhat, I, I guess. Hear me out okay, here. I'll hear you out. I'll it's hear you really out. different from the book. Um, in the book, Stallworth approaches these people not with a, like, I hate them mentality, but more with a, like, they're not worth my energy kind of mentality. Okay. Um, like, he thinks so, so little of these people. <laughs> and because of that, the book's rhetoric just like absolutely neuters them. Hmm. Um, so, I mean, and you get these really great lines here or there. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, uh, he's talking about uh, Ken, who was the Walter yeah. analog. Um, and he says, as undercover investigators, we never would have challenged Ken, who was, and I can't stress this enough, a total idiot. <laughs> So, and as a side note to this, um, because we discussed this in the prequel, I think I can see why David Duke felt like he came off better in the book yeah. than in the movie. I, I don't think he does necessarily, right. but the movie, I think, does portray the clan members as more like openly villainous yes. than the book does. Yeah, they're more openly villainous. I would also argue that they're they're also... I don't I having not read the book I can't say they're equally incompetent um and I definitely would agree that it, he doesn't uh dis, that Ron Stallworth doesn't sort of dismiss them mm-hmm. in the same way that you're uh representing from the book um in terms of like not being worth his time and just being but but they also come across as very in the movie uh, I think as very stupid to the point where it feels almost uh cartoonish at times if they do but I'm I'm Honing in on the the difference I'm honing in on is the fact that they figure it out right. in the movie gotcha. and they don't in the book. They okay. never do. Right. Um, and he just like thwarts them at every turn and they never figure it out. See, there, there's there, that is interesting. And that would be an interesting um, that that's also yeah. fun. Yeah. And interesting. Yeah. <laughs> it's just different. And you don't have your rising drama and your big right. uh, climax, if that's the case. Um, and, and one big difference um, with the David Duke thing is uh, when Ron is assigned to be his protective detail and he goes to introduce himself. And in the movie, David Duke has like a 
meh kind yeah. of reaction. Um, whereas in the book, it's described that he was actually like perfectly cordial yeah. to him, which is kind of in line with what David Duke was trying to yes. do then. Yeah. Well, and still to some yeah. extent. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I don't think David Duke does come off better in the book than in the movie, but I think I, I can see why he thinks why he would think why so. he would think that. Yeah. Why he would look at it and go, yeah, well, I was perfectly, yeah. I was perfectly polite. I was perfectly nice to yeah, you. I was a perfect gentleman um, while thinking that you're a subspecies of yeah. human. Like, yeah. I was perfectly polite. Yeah. I get, yeah. <laughs> um, right. Because they don't see the beliefs is wrong. They might see, he might, he doesn't, he doesn't see, obviously, David uh, Duke doesn't see his beliefs is wrong or incorrect. Exactly. But he might think that being rude or something yeah. would be something he would disagree with. Potentially, Everyone's you know what I mean. The hero of their own story, right? Well, right? obviously, yes. But I, I could see that in that regard. I could see how he would, yeah, like yeah. you said, yeah, a, a disparity between the portrayals there. All right, final, final verdict. verdict. Let's do it. Final verdict. Now, uh, are you ready for your sentence? Sentence? But there must be a verdict first. Sentence first. Verdict afterwards. All right, so. Having discussed that major difference of how the clan is portrayed in the movie versus the book, um, I am ultimately going to give it to the movie. Okay. Um, this is a tough call for me because I really liked the book, and I think both kind of approaches are great in their own way. Yeah. And, and I do think that they could have made a movie that was more true to the book in regard to this element, and it would have been a really fun, like, power fantasy type yeah. of story. yeah. But here's the rub. In the current political climate, I think it would be irresponsible and dangerously false to portray white supremacists as bumbling fools who can't put their plans into action. Yes. Um, I think that particular part of the story would ring very hollow and very untrue in 2018 in a way that it might not have in 2014 when yeah. the book was initially published. I agree. And I, I do think that the movie largely kept the emotional truths yeah. from the book, but it also allowed it to comment on current issues in a way that's more salient and more accessible for a wider audience. I think it's easier to draw those parallels from the movie than it maybe is in the book. Yeah. Um, so to that end, I got to give it to the movie. Yeah. But as I often say, the book is more than worth your time. Yeah. Especially if you liked the movie and yeah. thought it was an interesting story. Yeah. It's not a super long book. No, it it's less than 200 pages. Yeah. yeah. It, uh, I agree. That was what I was thinking the whole time when you were describing that difference is exactly what I was mm -hmm. thinking. And I think that's what Spike Lee was thinking. Um, and the people who wrote and adapted it is that, uh, given the current state of affairs, it, it is, uh, you underestimate, white supremacists, white nationalists, uh, fringe groups like that at your own peril. Yeah. In terms of don't underestimate their ideas. Their ideas could not be of a lower value. In ter you know what I mean? Right. Like don't, don't, you know, not you need to give the, their opinions or ideas the time of day, but the idea that, that as a group to just sort of. Yeah. The, the idea that they are cartoon villains tripping over their own feet is. Yes. False. Which, which you get. The movie, I think, strikes a good balance in that it yeah. does give you some of that. And like, it yeah, does these people give are, you Ivanhoe. Yes. And, and that, yes, these people are stupid, but they're also dangerously stupid. Mm -hmm. Like they're dangerous idiots. Like that's like you. It can be both. Um, 
and and I yeah I think the movie does do it strike a good balance about that and I hundred percent agree that was how I felt when you were describing that so I'm signing off on your final <laughs> verdict not that you needed me to but co-signing that final verdict that's it for the 42nd episode of this film is lit that was our Oscar special Black Klansman uh, just to kind of briefly wrap this up I recommend the movie it yeah. uh, was very good again I think uh, I think do the right thing is probably a better movie overall uh but it was really really good film um i really enjoyed it and uh had some really interesting choices and it definitely one that will leave you thinking mm-hmm. and it's very affecting in lots of different ways uh affecting a with an a <laughs> um uh in lots of different ways and it it hit parts of it definitely hit it's not a fun i mean it is it's it, and this movie does this very intentionally it's a very funny fun movie for a lot of it mm-hmm. but it's not there to make yeah. you feel good no. it's not no it's not but there were moments when we laughed out loud oh yes it's i mean because it is a comedy quote yeah. unquote but the last five minutes of this movie are anything but funny yeah uh and, and very intentionally um and yeah it was really interesting and the more i think on it i would re- i would i would honestly like to watch it again because the more i think on it the more i like it than i think i did initially mm-hmm watching it and i enjoyed it quite a bit i liked it quite a bit watching it initially um but i think it's one that will, is growing on me even just yeah. in the 24 hours since we watched it so um, well um, i recommend the book and the movie there you go so that's the that's the benefit of katie being here she gets to recommend <laughs> two things instead of one as always we would love it if you could rate and review our little podcast here on itunes stitcher uh wherever else you can rate and review it that you listen to us Uh, You can find us on all of the social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Goodreads, and Reddit. I have not posted on the subreddit in a long time because there's nobody there, but it still exists. Um, If people show up and start commenting, (laughs) I'll start posting again. Uh, uh, And that's that. Katie, what's next? Coming up next, we are doing a beloved 1990s family film that I had no idea was based on a book until we started this venture. Yeah, me either. And I started looking for books or movies based on books. Yep. Uh, we are doing Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah. That won't be problematic at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can talk about it. Yeah, I'll be really interested to see how that holds up. It's been a while since I've watched it uh, in, in, in terms of, yeah, we'll, it'll be interesting. Um, so, yeah, Mrs. Doubtfire in two weeks, prequel episode in one week. Um, and we'll be checking back in in that prequel yeah. to talk about if Black Klansman won any of the Oscars it was yeah, nominated we'll probably, for. We'll probably just talk a, a little bit about the Oscars yeah. in general during the prequel to the mm-hmm. next episode. So, until that time, guys, gals, non-binary, and everybody else, keep reading books, keep watching movies, and, and keep, keep being, being awesome. awesome.